This talk is brought to you by iBiology.org, and this audio was taken from a video available on our website. I'm Howard Chang. I'm a professor at Stanford University and investigator with the Howard Hughes Medical Institute. This is part three of my iBiology talks, and this talk will focus on cis action of long non-coding RNA genes. The world of RNA has been expanding in an amazing rate over the last decade. It's now believed that the human genome encodes nearly 60,000 long non-coding RNA genes. This picture shows some of the history of this particular field. And we start with the discovery of singular RNA genes back in the 80s and 90s to the present day uh, explosion. Uh, some of the sort of better worked out examples are shown, and they're principally working on chromatin, but that is by no means their only mode of action. Our work has focused on trying to understand the mechanisms of a select number of linked RNAs of biological significance, and also developing technologies so that other investigators can tackle their favorite long non-coding RNAs. A very important sort of idea is that each of these linked RNA genes has its own set of regulatory elements that are needed to, for the production of the long non-coding RNA. So that means that each linked RNA would have its own promoter, its own enhancers, splicing sites, and other features to make sure that this RNA gets made and processed. And sometimes it's actually these regulatory elements that provide the functionality of the long non-coding RNA locus, not necessarily the RNA product. Some examples from many investigators have started to show these kinds of examples. And today, we're going to focus on a very salient example uh, and that is a link RNA, and I'll tell you about the story of how we came to that discovery. So, faced with this explosion of long non-coding RNA genes, a few years ago we set out to determine which link RNAs were actually important for cell growth and function. We teamed up with colleagues at UCSF, developed a CRISPR interference technology for targeting link RNAs. This particular method uses a uh, repurposes a dead Cas9 from the CRISPR-Cas system as a DNA targeting platform. We can fuse that dead Cas9 to a CRAB silencer domain, and that will recruit a silencing complex to wherever we target it. This is a kind of epigenome uh, editing, and this is called CRISPR interference. And so wherever we target uh, this uh, fusion construct, we basically block the transcription of the linked RNA gene, basically, and we can then look at the consequence of uh, the loss of this linked RNA transcription event. We designed uh, guide RNAs targeting uh, 16,000 plus human linked RNAs, particularly those that may have a few effect on cancer, and we had 10 guides each. And so this large, this screen was then conducted uh, in uh, seven different cell types, and we got a quite striking result. First is that we identified nearly 500 essential, cell essential link RNA loci. Uh, that is, means that in the, if we target that link RNA, the cells would start doing less well. They would basically drop out from the population. And so there's something important going on for this loci. The second point is that these link RNA essential hits were actually oftentimes present in one cell type only. And this is a kind of a surprising result because for the equivalent screen, in protein-coding genes. These cell-essential genes would be things that are involved in cell cycle progression, the proteasome, 
really important housekeeping events, and they will be in common across multiple cell types. But in contrast, these linked RNA hits are actually in one cell type only. This will be an example where in one cell, cell type A, if you silence this linked RNA gene, there will be um, both a cell growth defect and also multiple uh, gene expression changes. But in the second cell type, basically, it's not required. No growth defect, no gene expression changes. And so there's a, a unique level of cell type specificity that's revealed in this kind of functional screen. In addition to genes that uh, basically are important for cell growth, that is, the cell growth would slow down in their absence, we also got hits of the reverse kind. And the strongest hit that enhanced cell growth in the entire genome-wide screen was this particular link RNA called PVT1. You can see some primary data here. This is, uh, in the beginning of the experiment, we transduced the entire library. Over time, we'll see what happens to cells that are missing PVT1. And you can see that, basically, their relative enrichment increases in the population in these two kinds of breast... uh, in this breast cancer cell and several other cell types, uh, but not in some additional cell types. Okay? So the absence of this RNA seems to make uh, the uh, cells grow better. This is a very salient finding, because PVT1 is perhaps the first linked RNA gene implicated by human cancer genetics. PVT1 uh, is actually... its locus is a place... it resides at a translocation breakpoint for a kind of human cancer called Burkitt's lymphoma. Uh, And it's right next to the very important oncogene called MYC, 53 kilobases downstream. And in fact, this translocation actually led to the cloning of MYC and actually wanted the identification of MYC as a human oncogene uh, almost uh, 30 years ago. So it's a very important uh, sort of uh, landmark in uh, cancer genetics. It's known that uh, this locus PVT1 is co-amplified with MYC in many human cancers. Yet, we also know that there are many mutations and deletions within this locus in human cancer. So this is a bit of a, a mystery now, because if you think about it, if you're saying that this gene is very important for cancer growth, then why would the cancer cell bother to make more copies of it and then break it up, bust up its action, if it's actually good for the cancer's growth? So I hope towards the end of this talk, some of these questions will become more obvious.
is nigh, and use it as a row block downstream of the transcriptional unit. In this case, you would not stop the initiation of transcription, but as the RNA polymerase is going along, it would run into the row block, and then it would stop. So your RNA would get truncated, okay? And that would also cause the RNA to go away. On the left-hand side, we're showing that, in fact, both CRISPR-I or this dead Cas9 roadblock effectively reduces the PVT1 RNA levels that we can measure. Basically, they're absolutely, they're nearly identical in, in, in terms of getting rid of the RNA, PVT1 RNA. However, only stopping transcription from the PVT1 promoter increased MIC levels, but not the uh, but not getting rid of the RNA product of PVT1 by this roadblock. And additional experiments looking at cell growth, again, showed that only this former strategy affecting the promoter enhanced cell growth, but not getting rid of the RNA.
hotspot that's in common to all of them, including deletions, inversions, breakpoints, and so forth. Uh, we went on to actually directly prove that you know, PVT1 promoter is, in fact, a tumor suppressor. And we we'll have to find the minimal unit that's needed. And so Sang Wu Cho, a very talented postdoc, carried out actually genome editing of the PVT1 locus. And then we selected for cells that would grow better. And we discovered that uh, among the cells that have a growth advantage now, uh, this included a series of deletions in the PVT1 promoter. And we discovered that a promoter deletion as small as six bases is enough to give a growth advantage and increase MIC transcription, okay? which is shown in the following uh, slide here, that we can document this very potent effect on growth and gene expression. And so this really defines kind of a new sort of unit uh, in gene regulation and also in cancer genetics. So in summary, I've told you about is the link RNA promoter as a tumor suppressor DNA element. It, the discovery came from using genome-wide screens, and, but then delving into the mechanism, we learned about the role of the 3D genome in shaping the regulation between the PVT1 enhancers, PVT1 promoter, and MIC, and also this developmental regulation uh, that is actually very interesting uh, and has this an, an unusual monolelic uh, aspect. Uh, the cancer genetics in what we see in patients tell us which elements are really important in driving cancer progression, and we're left, left with this model of this promoter competition, the enhancers being able to activate either PVT1 or MYC, and vice versa. And in cancer, what we're seeing is a systematic effort to basically steal those enhancers, break the PVT1 promoter so MYC can have maximal access to these enhancers. And so uh, this now raises new possibilities of understanding the system and targeting them. And to summarize this part of my talk, uh, I want to remind our viewers also of the part two of the talk about link RNA genes that act on the RNA level, such as exists. And so our overall picture now is that link RNA genes may function both as regulatory RNAs and as DNA elements. And specifically, then, link RNA gene loci can intimately control chromatin, uh, especially in cis, on the same allele, or same chromosome. And finally, New technologies enable a systematic interrogation of link, chromatin, uh, link RNA and chromatin interplay, which is oftentimes very fruitful in understanding link, biology, link RNA biology and function. Visit us at iBiology.org for more free talks from the world's top scientists. Funding is provided by the National Science Foundation and the National Institute of General Medical Sciences.